listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Living Room North podcast. to be here for part two of this series, uh, Over It. And if you did not listen to part one, you should check out the podcast. Uh, Sam Jones, one of our small group leaders in the back, did part one, and you should check it out. But as we, as we talk about worry and stress and anxiety, uh, I just want you guys to know that uh, my voice is really, uh, and we want, really want to speak to the spiritual side of it, but it's mul- these things are multifaceted. Okay, so like just, just a heads up, a little disclaimer that there, there are other sides to this, um, a, a medical anxiety and a medical side and a, and a counseling and therapy side uh, that, are, that are also a part of this. And, and we really just want to speak and give some practical tips and some, and some steps from a spiritual perspective, but there, there really is a lot uh, to consider when you talk about a topic like this. So, uh, so, so this stage in this place really wants to speak to the, the spiritual side of it. So, so I hope that tonight... Um, uh, all of you leave with something that, that I think can be helpful, uh, some in small ways and some in absolutely life-changing ways for us, the, the, the spiritual side, the way that kind of the God sees fear and anxiety in our lives. This is really personal to me. I'm excited to speak about it because uh, my years uh, in college, uh, th- those years through those ages were probably the most anxiety-ridden for me. Um, I- I'm guessing some of you can relate uh, that right now is potentially maybe the most uh, a worry, stress, anxiety that, that you've experienced. It was for me, and, and it feels like maybe it's just because it's the first time in life where we're stepping in, and uh, not only is there, there the first sense of full freedom, but with that comes also the full sense of responsibility for things in life. And so all of a sudden, we, we begin to, to see finances in a new way, and they, they weigh on us differently. We, we see our grades in a new way because now those grades are not just connected to the next step in education. Now they're connected to the job that we're going to get, the internship that we we'd like to get. And all of a sudden, there's more weight uh, associated with those. There, there's more f- things in the future that matter more to our lives associated with those. And, and the weight of, that we're feeling with, with friendships and with family, but now maybe we're away from family or, or maybe we're happy about that. And you could be feeling anxious already about the holidays coming and returning home for just how many Christmases you have to decide to go to or not go to or when, when to go to them or or obviously social media for me, uh, it, the, the anxiety of that began to weigh on who am I in person and who am I going to be and, and how much of, of who I am is perceived by how many likes I get. And so all of those things began to weigh on me in ways that, uh, that hadn't before. And it really culminated uh, in my college age years. And so that's why I thought I'm excited to talk to you guys about it tonight. But uh, there is a medical side of it. And so if you guys will just stay with me, okay, for like maybe five minutes right here where we track with some of what's actually going on inside of us, the way that God created us medically, that has to do with what his, his kind of response uh, to the anxiety that's, that's in us. So track with me. If you've had too much science class already, I'll try and make it brief, all right? So uh, lots of different systems in our body. One of them, the nervous system. We learned that in, I don't know, like the sixth grade, okay? And this nervous system is responsible for, for all the actions that we take, okay? But there's a subsystem of that called the uh, autonomic nervous system, and the autonomic nervous system is responsible for all of the unconscious actions, 
okay? The things that your body is doing, the way that God created your body to respond without you actually telling it to respond, right? There, the, so uh, th- this is split up um, into the bar- parasympathetic nervous system, which is your body's unconscious actions when you're at rest. So right now, your parasympathetic nervous system is already, without you telling it what to do, digesting the food that you ate, creating saliva in your mouth, causing you to blink. Like it's these things that are happening that, that you're not deciding to do, but they're just happening while your body is at rest. But anxiety comes on the other side of the autonomic nervous system, which is the sympathetic nervous system. You with me? You are not still in class. This is just brief. The sympathetic nervous system is really the the, the root of anxiety, but anxiety has a good side and a bad side. This is the side that your body unconsciously responds. It, it, It stimulates this fight or flight response in you. Okay, and, and it responds to moments that are potentially harmful, pressure-filled, uh, maybe an attack or a threat to your survival. Like, like it's what your body does when you're, you're up at North Georgia and it's a beautiful day and you want to go for a walk and you find one of the beautiful trails around and you're walking on the trail and a bear pops out. Okay, this is, when you, this is when your fight or flight response kicks in and your body goes into gear in a way that, in this most amazing way, and you, this is totally cool. So your body produces this chemical called cortisol that starts being pumped through your, through your bloodstream and you literally like hulk out in that moment. Because in that moment, there's your bear and you literally have to decide, am I gonna fight for survival or am I gonna flight for survival? And all of a sudden, you just, the, the, the cortisol starts put, pumping through your, vein, through your veins, the blood is going, you feel like ultra strong, and then your pupils start to di- dilate, and your vision gets sharper, and you've got to decide, but your body's doing all this without you actually deciding to do it. It's just responding in this way to this moment because you, you have to figure something out to survive in this moment. And what's totally cool about it is it actually, uh, the, 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 the way that your body responds draws attention to the things that you need to survive and it actually draws it away from the bodily functions that you don't need to survive. So if you've ever said, I almost peed my pants, I was so scared. If you ever said, I almost peed my pants, I was so scared, that's science, actually, because your body has drawn uh, attention to what you need to survive and pulled it away from a function like your bowels that you don't need in that moment. And so maybe you did. Maybe you did actually almost pee your pants in that moment of trying to survive. It's part of the way that you've been created. So cortisol is amazing. I mean, it really is part of science. Ron Burgundy, what do you think about cortisol? It's science. Science. It's science. It is. It's amazing. And it, is, it really is a cool thing for us. Like it, it allows us to uh, survive in moments. It helps us push through. There's actually uh, this guy, um, his name is David Barlow, and he's the founder and director of the Center for Anxiety at Boston. And this is what he says about the good thing that anxiety is for our body. Without anxiety, little would be accomplished. The performance of athletes and entertainers and executives and artisans and students 
would suffer. Creativity would diminish. Crops might not be planted because they wouldn't have a fear and anxiety that we need these to live later. This would be as deadly as nuclear war. That's pretty serious. This guy who studies anxiety at Boston is saying, hey, without anxiety, it would be as bad as nuclear war for planet Earth. I mean, think about this. It's like it's midnight and you've got a huge paper due the next day and you start worrying. And you're like, how am I gonna crank this out? And somehow you just get to it. You just open up the laptop and you start cranking it out. And you've procrastinated, but it's okay. You're like, I can do this. I can focus because if I don't, um, something bad's gonna happen. I'm not gonna get it turned in. And what's gonna happen to my grade? Then I have to do this because I'm already concerned about my grade. And so um, here we go. And you crank out the best paper you've ever written. That's a good side of anxiety. It's almost like God created us as procrastinators. That's not true. It's not part of this. He did not create us as procrastinators, but it's this thing in us that like, it cranks out creativity. It cranks out production. It causes, it even causes athletes for this. They start fearing what happens if I'm not successful and they work and they work and they push beyond what their normal limits are to be great. It often inspires or, or, or results in greatness. But anxiety becomes a problem when fight or flight, when your, that system is kicked in, is triggered when there's no immediate threat there. Anxiety becomes a problem when your body starts kicking into gear, when, when, when worry and fear creep into anxiety, but there's no proverbial bear there at all. When the people surround you may look and go, what are you so worried about? But you've already gone somewhere in your mind that has created this worry and this fear and has got your, your heart pumping or maybe even, maybe even paralyzed you from, from progress because you're so concerned about something that might happen that's not actually there. Anxiety is always future-oriented. It's always directed on something that's going to happen in the future, and it's driven by fear of what we can't control. Because there's, there's always something in us. When we start to fear, it's because there's something going on in our lives, whether it has to do with, with a friendship, with a relationship, with a relationship we hope for, with something that's going on at home, with, with, with grades, with our finances, that all of a sudden we start to worry about at a level that's not healthy because we realize, oh no, what if something else happens? What if this keeps on continuing like that? What's going to happen? And all of a sudden and the fear starts to build and it turns into the unhealthy side of, of anxiety. We start asking, well, well what if... What if this happens and, and what if this happens and, and what if this happens and all of a sudden this small circumstance or scenario has taken us down this road that starts weighing on us and affecting our decisions. Anxiety is like this, like this meteor shower of what ifs in our life. And, and the people around us can't see all the, all the questions that we're asking in our minds. We come here, we ask, well, what, what, if, what if I can't measure up? What if she says no? What if I never get married? What if I don't ever get a job? What if they don't like me? What if we don't turn profits this quarter? What if I don't graduate? What if I embarrass myself? What if there's something wrong with me? 
What if he doesn't come back? What if she doesn't get better? What if things never change? What if I'm not enough? What if I fail? And our what ifs start to build and build and we don't, for some reason we realize we don't necessarily have a mechanism to push back against those what ifs, those fears that, that we can't control the future of our lives and that's why it weighs so much on us in college. But I want you guys to know uh, I'm not over it either and I'm well out of college because fears of the future that I can't control still start to weigh on me. In fact, I, I've got to think I'm going to try and give you guys a couple tools tonight, but I have to think of them right now to not start fearing what's going to happen if my daughter uh, has trouble breathing tonight. And I could start going down this road of what ifs that can cause me to have trouble continuing on in this talk right now because I'm thinking of where that could lead. Because what ifs begin to lead us down this rabbit hole of unhelpful thinking. Because we start thinking of all these things where this fear train that we hop on starts going further and further down. And it's not helping us. It's not helping us um, be creative, be successful, be productive. It snowballs into this worst case scenario thinking. I had this... um, moment in college when um, I wanted to date this girl and she was an ex of one of my close friends and all of my closest friends uh, I played soccer and we were all we were all in the same classes together and we were all as a small school we were all on the team together and so we spent a lot of time together and I wanted to date this girl and so um, I did start dating her and I lost all of my friends Um, and it was my decision it's one of the decisions I regret most in life because in that moment, and she's not my wife, by the way, so it's not even like it panned out, you know? It's not even like I can look back and say it was worth it. In that moment, I I lost all my friends who were also my teammates and all of a sudden uh, began to weigh on me even though I, I, I got the girl. What I realized was people always told me, no, you get your closest friends. You get like your friends for life in college. Like those are the people who you really, really bond with and those become your friends for life. And I have just made a decision that lost them. And I've only got one or two guys who I'm still hanging with back from high school and and. Well, I guess I got to get back in touch with them because if not, what's going to happen is I'm going to graduate. Me and Cassie aren't going to be together anymore and I'm not going to have the friends. And, what, and, and, and what's going to happen is I'm going to get out of college and I'm literally just going to be lonely. And so in this moment, I'm sitting in my dorm room and these what ifs start to build. They start to snowball. And um, what if, what if I, I graduate and I haven't made new friends? What if I, I, this is actually the type of friend that I really am and I'm going to walk out into the world and I'm just going to be a lonely person because I'm, I'm a person who just makes bad decisions that pushes my friends to the side and they don't want me to hang out anymore. I graduated from college and I, I began to see on social media all these guys getting married and all the pictures of them together and we were so close and I wasn't invited. And those worries and anxieties built back again. 
And so what I, what I want to talk about tonight is what's our defense against those what ifs going all the way down this building snowball of fear, of worry, of concern, of decisions that we may not be in control of, of situations that, that may never happen, that may not come to pass, but it has really it has affected the decisions that we're making. And so I, I feared being lonely for life. And so I, I don't know where your, your thoughts take you, where your anxieties take you, but there, there's this thing in the medical field called the cognitive triangle. And what happens is we get these thoughts in our minds, and for us, they're, they're rooted in, in fear, and those fears can build and build, and we go down this thought train that affects our feelings, and then we begin to take action. And what anxiety does is the behaviors that come out of our thoughts, the what-ifs that start to build and build and create feelings of fear and anxiety in us, they start to change the way that we live. And all of a sudden, the person that we're becoming and the life that we're seeing is not the life that God intended for us. It is not our best life. It is not life to the full that God, the creator, intended for you. It's not, it's not the way he intended you to, for you to see yourself, for you to perceive the future, for you to treat your friends, for you to conser- be concerned about your future when it's in his hands. This, 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 if we can't stop the fear then it's going to lead us towards these feelings in our heart that lead to behaviors that are not actually the life that we want to live. So what, what, what can we do about it? What can we do to change it? Well, the good news is the Apostle Paul is probably the best person to speak to us about this because he was in a situation, if anyone has a fear for the for the future, a concern for something that he can't control, it's him as he, as he writes this letter to the Philippians because he's in jail. So we're going to take a look at this letter that he's writing from jail. And in this moment, if anybody can be anxious about their future, it's him because he's awaiting, what if? What if they decide to kill me because of what I've done for my faith? His what if is, question, is, all the, is so far down that, that he has to wonder, is my life in danger? So just think about this. The guy who can probably speak to this the most because he's already been beaten and left for dead and shipwrecked and snake bitten. And now he's, let, he's been jailed multiple times. And now he's in jail writing this letter and his response to us in situations where, where we wonder about the future and that's weighing on us in the now, his his advice is this, rejoice. I'm like, what? From jail? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. This is his counsel. You're like, how do you even do that? Because what, what Paul knows is that joy is not focused on our circumstances. Joy is not founded in the circumstantial. Joy is not founded in the temporal. His joy is a deep-rooted confidence that, is, that our eternity is secure in what Jesus Christ did for us. How can he say rejoice from jail where when he plays this out, he's gonna end up dead because his joy is not in where he finds himself in life. His joy is in that his eternity is secure because Jesus Christ died for him and rose again three days later to overcome death. So if, if this what if takes him all the way down to death, he can still be joyful because he knows what comes after death and that is eternity with God, his savior who loves him. 
And he would say to us, no matter what your circumstance, my promise is not to pull you out of the circumstance, but it's that in the Lord, in the Lord, we can take joy, we can rejoice, we can choose joy because our eternities are secure. We can choose joy because the creator of the world who is in control of the world knows us and loves us and wants to come alongside us. We can choose joy. Stress and fear and worry can try and steal your joy, but the truth is joy and hardship, joy, joy and hard circumstances can actually run on parallel tracks. Joy is not about being happy all the time. They can actually run parallel to one another in your life because your joy is founded in what Jesus Christ has done for you, not the circumstances of your life. In fact, that's actually what makes Christians stand apart because, we, because people look and they go, wait, how are you still joyful in that circumstance? This is where the spiritual, the spiritual realm becomes the, comes alongside of us, where God says, no, I want to come alongside of you where you are and let you know that you can still rejoice in what God has done for you because it's beyond whatever you could play out in your mind and that your fear that's weighing on you, that's concerning you, that you're, you're wondering about is going to happen or not happen, how the situation's going to play out. That your joy is not founded in the circumstances. He goes on. Next he says, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. He says, choose joy, rejoice in the Lord and then let your gentleness be evident to all. Because when you think about that cognitive triangle, it's like Paul already knew about it. That, that, that what you think is going to affect how you feel and it's going to affect what you do. And he's saying, hey, if, the, if what you were thinking was fear and you begin to instead, when you begin to feel anxious, if instead you say, no, I have a God who loves me and cares for me. I am going to choose the joy that can only come from him. Now you're shifting what you're thinking. It's going to shift how you feel about and all of a sudden your behavior doesn't become, doesn't come being paralyzed or, or broken relationships or not even being able to wake up and move forward or, or heart beating concern and, and, and fear and anxiety. It actually becomes gentleness. That the behavior that comes from this is a calm, gentle behavior. It's focused on other people. It's others focused, not so focused on yourself and the things that you can't control. And then, and then he writes one of the most famous verses. I mean, if you grew up in a Christian home, maybe your grandma like cross-stitched this and put it above the toilet in the bathroom or something, you know? One of the, <laughs> mine did. One of the most famous verses about anxiety he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This is the how. He says, do not be anxious, but it's not just like this order of do not be anxious. That's not very helpful. He says, do not be anxious, but instead come to me. I know your circumstances. I created you. I know your name. I know the hairs on your head. I know the fears and anxieties that you're thinking through and feeling that no one else does. And I want you to come to me, not to be anxious, but to, but to bring those things to me, the reality of them, 
And he says thankfulness because he is always faithful to us. And so, so if you maybe have not been walking with the, with, with the Lord, with a relationship with the Lord, maybe haven't been following Jesus for very long, maybe ask someone in your life who has, maybe somebody who brought you tonight or, or brought you to the living room or one of your classmates or your roommate, ask them about there and say, hey, how has the Lord been faithful to you? Because in our lives, the Lord is faithful to us and it allows us to be able to go to him with thanksgiving with joy saying, thank you for the way that you've been faithful, but here's what I'm feeling for real right now. God, I know you love me and I know that you care about me, but you know what I'm thinking, you know what I'm feeling and I'm starting to spiral right now and life is weighing on me like it hasn't before and I don't know what to do. And God's inviting us to say, hey, come to me. Bring me into the circumstances. Bring me into the struggle. Bring me into the fear. Bring me into what is weighing on you, to what's concerning you. Guys, on our own, we fear. On our own, we fear what we can't control, and it begins to spiral and snowball. But with God, We are putting our trust in the one who is in control. You see, fear comes from this future, this anxiety comes from this future-minded fear of what we can't control. And God's going, no, I'm in control. I know you and I know your circumstances and I'm in control. Come. Cast your anxiety on me. Bring it to me. Bring me your fear. And then he gives us the result of inviting him into our circumstances. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, he wants to replace this anxiety and this fear of future-minded things that you can't control. And he wants to say, come, bring them to me. Because what I want to do is I want to guard your mind from those things. That when you start fearing, when you start feeling the weight of life, when you start feeling the weight of what's next and what happens if, and what if he doesn't, and what if I'm not able to, and what will they think if, God says, hey, you know what I want to do? I want to protect you. I want to guard you. I want to build this wall around where when those fears and those anxieties come, I want to be there to guard you from those. And in place of the potential fear, I want to give you peace. He wants us to experience this life to the full in our relationships. He does not want us to experience fear of trying to walk this out on our own. He invites us, he reaches out to us and says, come, bring them to me because I want to guard you from the spiraling out into anxiety. I wanna guard you and instead I wanna give you peace. I wanna change your life from fear to freedom from concern for the future to peace and the ability to choose joy no matter what your circumstances. God wants us to experience his peace 
and to protect us. He genuinely does. He's not saying you're never going to fear again. You're never going to worry again. You're never going to be anxiety. He said, no, just bring them to me. Let me guard those things in your life because I know what you're going through. Come. I'm the one who's in control. Your fear is coming from concern of you not being in control. But I am and I love you and I know you. It's kind of like this. This is my family. Um, the girl next to me is Molly. She's the one who's having trouble breathing. Um, the girl next to her, who she's choking, um, is Emmy. That's my one-year-old. It was a few months ago, that picture. And Emmy um, is at this stage now where um, when things are not as she hoped, when she is, is, is concerned, when she wants something, she just cries out. And then when she knows I'm there, she just reaches up. And I think that's what God invites us to. When the weight of life, when the fears and concerns of the future are turning into anxiety... He invites us to, to, to respond like Emmy and just cry out and say, hey, God, I know that you're there. I know that you love me. You have been faithful. I want to choose joy, but I'm struggling with it. I want the peace that comes from you that maybe is hard to understand, that surpasses understanding. I, I want that peace. I want to reach out. I want to cry out. Maybe, maybe for you, what, we, what you really need to do is just change your posture towards, towards God and say, hey, I've been trying to control this, but me trying to control it has really just resulted in, in fear and anxiety. What I want to do is just reach up and say, God, would you just be with me through this? And he promises peace. And so tonight... That's my encouragement to you guys. My encouragement is when you begin to feel the weight of a situation, of what's next, of what's coming, of what's going to happen with him, with this situation, with her, with this class, with this test, with this application, with this job, after I'm finished. As those things begin to weigh God is saying, hey, why don't, why, don't you, why don't you reach out? Because well, I, I know what you're going through, and I am the one who's in control, and I love you. So would you bring him into it? Because what he wants you to do is experience life to the full, the best version of your life, one with freedom and healthy relationships, not paralyzed by fear. And for, for, for some of you, I'm not sure what God wants to use in your life to bring peace. I, 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 I let you guys know I, I don't want to um, discount or think that this is going to take the place of, of maybe something that's going on in your body that, that uh, God who, who created um, the people who thought of medicine that can regulate things in your body and restore peace to some of the things that, are, that you feel are out of your control. He may use medicine. He may use therapy and counseling, people who he has gifted with these things to help you process through fear. He may use the person sitting next to you to encourage you, to be there for you, 
to process those fears with you and those concerns with you and to pray with you and to say, hey, I I want to be here. I want to speak some truth to the fear that you're thinking. And all of a sudden God uses the people in your life to bring you peace. I trust that he will do whatever he wants to, whatever he needs to because of his love for you, for you to experience life to the full. And that's what I wanna pray for you guys tonight. God, that is my prayer. I think that is your desire for us. Your desire is for us to experience life not in fear, but in freedom. Not concerned for what we can't control. God, I pray that we would be people who can, who can choose joy because at the end of the day, God, you are victorious over death and eternity and you love us and you care for us. God, that that instead of experiencing fear by dealing with situations on our own, that instead we would see you and experience you, what you're doing in our life through situations. God, I, I pray that you would bring us peace that can only come from you in any way that you choose. In Jesus' name, amen.